Yeah, uh, I had a plan to do something cool and creative. Then Hangman Page won, and uh, nearly wanted to cry a bit. So, yeah, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm gonna need a few minutes. Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, my fictional friends! Welcome back to this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast! The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name is Connor, and uh, full gear just happened. Ah! Hangman did it. I mean, that's not the topic of this episode, but Hangman did it. And who could be lurking in the shadows for a potential AEW World title match? Well, perhaps it's the person that we're booking today. Malachi Black, also known or formerly known as Tommy End in AEW. More specifically, the birth of the House of Black. It's something that sounds not only like a very fun catchphrase, we constantly hear it in like Malachi Black's promos. It sounds like a very interesting topic to discuss, you know, with some of the recent Ring of Honor talent releases, maybe a, a la Brody King, or even just some of the, you know, recent stuff with Cody. Where is that gonna lead? So that is the topic of today's episode and what we are booking. It is the rise of Alistair Black and more even colloquially known as maybe the birth of the House of Black. It's a whole, whole different world here. We're going through so many different avenues. I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> so, with that out of the way, uh, a couple prerequisites before we get into this booking. While I've literally just mentioned the exodus of Ring of Honor talent, for the sake of this booking and, you know, potentially not randomly putting people into AEW, uh, this is going to involve none of those said Ring of Honor talents. So, no Brody King, no extra people like a, a Dan Housen, but it'll be fine. It will be fine because uh, I guarantee you the members who I've picked for this faction idea are going to be people that you're not going to expect. But before we get into that, we need to go over the history of Malachi in AEW. So, without further ado, let's talk about Malachi Black. In about four minutes. So debuting his new character in a short film titled The Devil Made Me Do It, Malachi Black quickly debuted onto AEW on the special event show AEW Road Rager, where he would immediately begin a program with his current rival, Cody Rhodes. They would end up having their very first match together at the AEW Anniversary Show, where Malachi Black would beat Cody Rhodes in a matter of minutes. He would proceed from this point to feud with the rest of the Nightmare family, including Dustin Rhodes, Lee Johnson, and Brock Anderson. We still pray for Brock Anderson, Jesus Christ. <laughs> with it, he ends up having various other assaults on the likes of Arn Anderson, who blocked the Black Mass, which still... Still confuses me that he blocked it 
But with a name like Glock Anderson, I don't think we can complain, resulting in an eventual rematch between Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black, in which Malachi Black, using the Black Mist, would once again defeat Cody Rhodes. With this done and firmly set a path, Malachi Black would set his eyes on various other talent, resulting in a singles contest against Dante Martin, which he would eventually succeed. With that in time, Malachi Black continued cutting these promos in the build to Cody Rhodes' eventual return against him at a later date on another episode of AEW Dynamite. During this, he claimed that he was the only one to make Cody Rhodes boo him and boo the fans and boo all of these things. He believes that he's the only one who made Cody Rhodes be hated by the fans, which in storyline purposes kind of makes sense, kind of doesn't, because, you know, people started to dislike Cody Rhodes for some reason, but we move on from that, because in their third eventual match, Cody Rhodes would eventually beat Malachi Black with the rains and boos that have all came around. With this, we now resolve into the current state of AEW today, where this feud has transitioned into a almost tag team-like feud, as Malachi Black has now recently aligned with Andrade to attack Cody Rhodes and the Bastard Pack. This culminating into where we are currently in the storyline, where Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo took on Pack and Cody Rhodes, in which Pack and Cody won. Which I'm, I'm going to peel back the curtain here. I'm recording this literally a few moments after watching Full Gear. I originally wrote a whole different scenario that I've had to change last minute because of this whole situation. So, uh, AEW, I, I want to blame you, but this is my fault. Why? Why, why, why did, why, why, why give Cody the win with Pac? It's great. I love it. It's, you know, I love Pac, but, you know, you're building this whole feud with Malachi still against Cody, who says it's not over with the house always wins. I feel like giving Pac the win, as much as I love seeing Pac get the win and not doing much with Cody at this point, what, what, what? Where does Cody go from here? Where where does Malachi go from here? I I feel confused. They've already had three matches. I don't know if we need a fourth. And I feel like if there's a fourth, you're gonna make it Cody. What do you do with Andrade? And again, I've never really been a big fan of Andrade. But what do you do with Andrade? <laughs> that's that's a very brief monologue about my opinion currently of that tag match. Don't know if it needed to be on the card, but you know it was there. It was a fun match regardless, just selfishly didn't really help with my booking. So <laughs> with that out of the way, me having a very slight rant considering stuff, being a fantasy booking writer who chose to go really close to the edge this week, not not my smartest endeavor. Uh, we're going to move on to a little thing I like to call the tagline. So for those of you who are unaware of this podcast, you happen to find this random-looking giraffe on your screen. The tagline is basically my summary of what I plan to do with the wrestler or random fictional character going forward in this fantasy booking. Consider it like a summary that you'd see on Netflix. A random billboard saying what the hell I plan to do. Or just, I don't know, a random, like, piece of paper thing saying, this is what I will do, please listen. Think of it like a 
some would say an episode of Squid Game that is basically Kaiji, but live action. By the way, if you like Squid Game, go watch Kaiji. I will keep saying this until somebody does it. And tweet me that you've watched Kaiji at Connor the Cooper on Twitter. That's all I want to know. So with that out the way and another slight rant over Kaiji, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna pitch. What the hell Malachi Black goes from here? I need to stop ranting today. So, let's give me your energy, my fictional friends. And with that, I'm gonna ask me, the editor of this podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the amount of rants today to cue the music, future me. So Malachi Black as a character right now, I mean, it was already aptly described as him kind of like gradually evolving the character from Alistair Black to Malachi Black and that whole transition through the short film of him feeling like he was stuck in prison to being released as this vengeful devil with memory loss. It's kind of accurate to what he is now. He feels very purpose-driven compared to Alistair Black of WWE ilk. So, looking at the way his character, I feel, should go forward, especially post-Full Gear, I think there needs to be a re-establishment of who Malachi Black is. I feel this partnership with Andrade and FTR kind of feels like very mismatch. And whilst, like, the goal of Malachi is still to effectively ruin Cody Rhodes to an extent, there's, there's a line that's always stuck with me with Malachi Black that he said to Cody Rhodes. And it's, it's that the house always wins. What does he mean by this? So, a background to people who are unaware of the meaning of Malachi in Hebrew, which is kind of the basis of the name, it means messenger. So, if his character is that he is a messenger, and these a so-called leader of the House of Black. Is there a further meaning to this that we can infer and bring forward? That's kind of what I'm looking for with the Malachi Black character, because he's so purposeful in everything that he does that I feel like there's something missing that we could truly add to give another layer to his character. So for me, that's where the House of Black comes in, the whole faction idea. So, for my tagline for this week when thinking of how I'd summarize his booking going forward, I'd say it's this. When a man receives an unlikely patron, a former Dutch destroyer constructs a team to vanquish his non-believers. One beyond light, one beyond the power of titles, simply a house of black. Because, you know, the history of Malachi, even if, like, I'm not a religious person. But going into, like, very brief, like, scriptures and history about the history of Malachi and his whole, like, mission being, like, the in-between between God and the people of Jerusalem. And that whole thing, I, I wonder if there's kind of connection with that and the Malachi Black character. And that... What would happen if if Malachi went rogue? 
that's kind of how I'm looking at this and the birth of the House of Black. It isn't necessarily the people who you look at and think, oh, they look super vicious like your Butcher and Blade or, oh, they're undead like Abaddon. I feel there's something deeper to that that we can ultimately explore in this booking. So, without further ado, let's let's get straight into this. Let's talk about how Malachi Black can rise above an American nightmare and find himself going beyond the light and shrouding it in a house of black. <laughs> So our story would have began with Andrade and Malachi winning at full gear, but that didn't happen. So instead, plans changed. Waka waka. So, yes, basing it off of the current booking with FTR helping out Andrade and Malachi Black, our story begins on the very next episode of Dynamite where it has been advertised that Dax Harwood will take on Cody Rhodes in a very special exhibition match. Before the match, we see Cody and Arn Anderson backstage. Arn Anderson berates Cody, asking if he's really learnt his lesson. Arn continues elaborating, saying that there is no reason for him to face a demon like Malachi anymore. He's done more harm than good by continually facing Malachi again and again and again, with Arn Anderson further saying that maybe some of Malachi's claims were indeed right. He warns Cody that if he goes too deep, that he may not be able to pull out, ending the promo by slowly pointing his fingers to Cody's head. Some would say getting out his effing Glock, saying, otherwise, I might have to put you down. Cody looks on as he begins to enter for his match, being accompanied by Brandy Rhodes, and we get ourselves a very simple NWA style technical match we've we've seen with Dax is pretty much his bread and butter it's very much a back and forth affair until midway through the match the lights go out which can only mean that Malachi has indeed appeared sitting in the middle of the ring as Cody looks almost mesmerized by his presence Cody immediately charges for Black who goes on the retreat, allowing just enough of a distraction for Dax Harwood to take advantage. We see throughout the match Dax Harwood as he's wailing on Cody, continuing to hit him in the back again and again and again, but Cody just won't stop looking at Malachi Black, the guy who took him out right at the end of his match at full gear. And with it, Cody eventually just decides to say F this and go attack Malachi Black, and as he does so we see Brandy Rhodes at ringside trying to calm down Cody, trying to get him to just stop. And he does for him before he begins charging back at Malachi. This leads to Brandy Rhodes quickly trying to follow behind. As in this very brief moment where Malachi is open, he goes for a black mass kick, which Cody ducks, but hits Brandy Rhodes. The crowd begins to boo louder and louder and louder, almost like all the various bits of Cody chants we've already been seeing before, the gradual rise in booze over Cody Rhodes. And with this, we see Cody traumatized for a second as he looks to his now beaten and knocked down wife as medical personnel come. And as this happens, he quickly sees to where Malachi is going. 
and we get a very brief camera shot on his face just thinking where do I go and in a very brief moment looks over to his wife and he sprints out to Malachi continually chasing him down the ramp as Dax Harwood is awarded a very rare singles win. Several segments later we see Cody eventually in the backstage area as he sees Brandy being taken on a stretcher to insert local medical facility. I know, WWE term, don't get upset with me. With this, we essentially see Arn Anderson and Dustin sitting outside there waiting as Brandy gets sent to the hospital as Arn Anderson lashes out Cody once again. What the hell are you doing? Cody quickly answers back, what, what, do you, what does it look like? I was going after the son of a bitch who attacked my wife. He had nothing to do with it and you know it. What? Cody, you heard me. The only reason she was out there was to stop you from going off the handle. For the love of God, you have a daughter, Cody. Look what happened. She was out there to help you. This is not a family issue. This is not even a nightmare family issue. This is your own problem. So, for the love of God, either check on your daughter, check on your wife, or so help me God, the demonic bastard will be the least of your problems. So Cody, quickly realizing the error of his ways, keep in mind, he let the rage and all this anger towards Malachi get the best of him. He suddenly rushes off and, well, we don't see Cody for a number of weeks. Instead, we get another Malachi Black promo in a, some might say, a abandoned church of sorts, where Malachi says, remember what I said? House always wins, Cody. House never lies to an honest man. But perhaps you forgot that. Paving the way with nostalgia by a forgotten American dream. You know, there once was a tale about a man. A dashing man. One that claimed that he would become a star that would leave them in the dust. But along the way, that star began to dim. As it became engulfed by the sun. The one that it wished to abandon all those years ago, on its journey to become more than what it once was. The star ended up conjoining with the same stars that it once despised. Because the sin of a man is the sin of many. My methods may always guarantee victory, but the toll in which I gather this victory can always be changed. Pay your tolls, Cody. Accept your soul and fade to black. I'll be waiting. And with that, the commentators immediately ask questions of what is black referring to? Accept your soul? What what does that even mean? What what is his motivation behind continually attacking the American nightmare Cody Rhodes? And so with that, three weeks pass. It's been over a month. And by this point, we're on the we're on the bill to revolution, aren't we? So, with it, Cody Rhodes makes his way to the ring. No entrance music, and he comes out one of the areas in the ring. It's not the middle one. It's not outside from the stands. He's just going through the same entrance way that everybody else goes through. Almost like he's been producing the show whilst carrying his daughter. You kind of see, like... You know, a couple of little things that he has to carry, like trolleys and stuff like that. Just little, like, baby equipment that he's got on standby. And with it, Cody 
comes in. He quickly looks like he's got bags under his eyes. He looks completely exhausted. He looks like he hasn't had a shower in days. And, you know, the commentators put over, maybe the pressure is finally getting to him. Being an executive vice president, being an active wrestler, taking care of his daughter whilst his wife is supposedly in a coma of some sorts, being inactive for several weeks. And with it, Cody Rhodes sits cross-legged in the middle of the ring, voicing his trouble since the battles against Malachi Black have started. How his family and even his own friends don't see him the same anymore. And how all he wanted to do, even if it seemed impossible, was to live up to a fraction of his father's legacy. But now, none of that matters in his quest for revenge. He has found nothing but loss. He says that he will never betray the fans that brought him here. But the gods that cursed him are a different story. Immediately, the lights go out and we see Malachi Black sitting opposite Cody Rhodes. Cody, near breaking down in tears after all he has done, stares daggers at Black, begging him to get away. He's done enough. I'm tired of all of this. Please, leave me alone. Have you seen what you've done? Can you just let me be? And we see Cody kind of attempt to hit a fist, but he's too mentally weak. The stress has gotten to him. It's the weakest we've ever seen Cody up to this point after taking so many recent losses as of late. And in this complete, seemingly powerless moment, the temptations of a higher power seem to resonate with Cody. Malachi slowly walks towards him. He sits opposite him once again as he goes a little bit closer from before, puts his hand on top of Cody's head. And Malachi simply mutters, the House of Black forgives you, patron. It's Malachi Black hugs Cody in the middle of the ring. And with it, he says one final thing. All will be clear soon. The House of Black is set to arise and a God shall be born. And in that moment, the lights go out, and both men disappear. Backstage, Arn and Dustin are furious. They're wondering where the hell those two could have gone. Who's going to take care of Cody's daughter? Mandy's still in... Not Mandy. <laughs> Brandy's still in a coma. Uh, all this stuff is going on, and they're just wondering where the hell is Cody Rhodes. And with it... We get a bunch of abstract video packages going on from week to week, all in the build-up to Revolution. And with it, we don't really see Cody and Malachi in it, but the basis of these abstract things that go on from week to week is that Cody Rhodes wants to see his daughter, but Malachi persuades him that the House of Black opens its doors to those who are worthy of knowing the truth. They're not worthy of knowing the truth yet. They can only know the truth and they've been guided by someone who knows. And with it, Cody says that he doesn't want to know. Malachi reminds him of the torture of being a member of the Rhodes family, what it's done to him, what it's forced him to become, and how it forced him to face him again and again and again, all in pointless, and I mean pointless matches. And with it, 
in this type of like losing of mind, he reminds him that what did this Rhodes family do for him? Lose his job? Beg for patrons to start a company? Disregard his friends and families for what? A legacy? The Rhodes family has done nothing for Cody. Wrestling has more than one royal family, Cody, and more than one divine being. The package ends on Cody seeing vestiges of his past lives, dashing, disfigured, and a man cloaked in stardust. By the end of the segment, we see Cody Rhodes fully accepting of Malachi's wishes in a almost 180 turn of events brought upon by the pressures of trying to take care of a daughter, trying to be the supporting hero that he believes all the fans want him to be, trying to be an executive vice president on top of that. And we see Cody just slowly close his eyes as Malachi pulls his head back and baptizes Cody. And in the very final images of this segment, we see Cody's bright blonde hair slowly begin to darken. And some would even say fade to black. As from this point forward, the House of Black has its very first member. And it turns out to be none other than an American Nightmare. And as we move from Act 1 to Act 2, I'll explain why I believe Cody has been indoctrinated into the House of Black. Now, I imagine people already have questions. Why on earth would Cody join the House of Black? At first, it seems... It doesn't seem like it makes sense. This is the same guy who, throughout his entire career, not even spanning AEW, has been built off the Rhodes family legacy. A guy who has constantly felt like he's needed to be up there with the likes of Dustin Rhodes and his own father, Dusty. Well, that's the thing. Cody, as a character, is built entirely off that legacy. And, you know, I imagine if you have that legacy, the pressure gets to you. Even if you are the bright, white meat baby face that Cody Rhodes is trying to portray, there needs to be a moment of weakness just to kind of be, have a sense of relatability. Right now, Cody Rhodes' character, barring this sudden character change, is your white meat, all-American babyface. And Malachi, inverse, is the complete opposite. They've been showing this transition since the very beginning of AEW when Malachi debuted, wearing the black in contrast to Cody's white. And with it, we've seen it as the stories progress Cody's been wearing, and maybe this is just a stylistic thing, Cody resorting to darker and darker means to win matches. And him just in his match where he beat Malachi, kind of almost resorting to the things that Malachi wanted. And with that, that to me infers a sense of character weakness. The fact that he was so close to changing. It was only one very small thing from Arn and him continually saying stuff that left him from going. Because keep in mind... He almost retired because of losing to Malachi Black in the very first match, in a matter of seconds. So the idea to me that Cody Rhodes would suddenly, you know, take in this 
form of love to Malachi Black as a form of like acceptance to stop the pain that has been going on as a character so entrenched with his own family. I imagine that in order to keep this family safe, he would go to deeper and darker lengths to preserve that family. So with that in mind, we move on to Revolution where we finally get the reappearance of Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes in a segment at the end of Revolution where after Hangman successfully defends his title against insert contender here, we see Malachi and the newly dubbed Cody Rhodes or just Cody once again sit on the Titantron as Malachi sits alongside Cody, his new patron of what he is dubbing to the fans as the new House of Black. And he says to Hangman, when a man seeks innovation, a man must never deviate from his own image. Hangman, in four months, everything will change. A new uprising will begin. Light will become dark. Darkness will become light. And everything will fade to black. In four months, Hangman, the House of Black shall rule AEW. The House of Black's divine destroyer shall descend from the heavens. And for whom it may concern, their belts will be paid in toll. Immediately, once that's done, the promo ends. The commentators speculate, who on earth are they referring to? If the House of Black isn't led by Malachi, who is this divine destroyer he was referring to? What does he mean in four months? Are there more people inside the House of Black? What, what could this mean? And with it, we move on to the very next week of Dynamite, where we got our very first appearance of Cody post this indoctrination where he attacks TNT champion Sammy Guevara from behind in which he just completely assaults the man, the man that who he fought on the very first episode of Dynamite. He comes out in his full-on like, I'm thinking House of Black cloak beating up uh, Sammy Guevara in which he unhoods himself and reveals Kind of a new look for Cody, the, as we've already dubbed, the pure black hair, the white contact lenses kind of in his eyes to kind of show this kind of immoral being. And with it, we see some of the markings that have possessed the former Tommy End, then Malachi Black that have been over his face, kind of present itself in a different form with Cody. It's manifested in some way, shape or form, almost as if, Malachi has began to possess Cody as well over his old nightmare family tattoo going all the way down to covering up the word dream on his right chest. Almost kind of like if you people are fans of anime, some of you might be familiar with curse marks, which by the way, look those up. The very first stage of curse mark, that's kind of what I'm looking for here. Kind of like almost if Cody's been possessed by a vessel of some kind. And with it, he begins assaulting Sammy Guevara. He hits the crossroads and holds up the TNT Championship as the messenger of the House of Black, Malachi, comes out to cut a scathing promo in which he states, The House of Black has a leader, 
it has a messenger, and it has a Patreon. But to fix the skepticism of the people, the house needs acolytes. The world since the absence of the house has been cloaked in a false light, one that is allowed to spiral into chaos and fantasy. At my core, I am but a mere mortal messenger. While the voice of one can impact a million, its significance can be lost in translation. So, so-called demigods walk this plane, say that there has been more than one royal family, but refuse to acknowledge that gods allow them to live. AEW, an end is coming. Divine intervention is imminently approaching. When my message is clear, the house will be all that is left standing, whilst everything fades to black. From this point forward, well, we start to see a brief transition, as in the build to Cody versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship at Double or Nothing, and Malachi finding himself in a brief program with Dustin Rhodes seeking vengeance for brainwashing Cody and taking advantage of his need to live up to the Rhodes family legacy, the House of Black begins attempting to find recruits. They need acolytes, people to fulfill the wishes of the House of Black to take in all of the championships they can and fade AEW's once live and loud and lively crowds into mere followers of the House of Black, and they can't do that alone. So with it, throughout episodes of AEW Dynamite, Rampage, and even Elevation, where they're not in segments, we see them in the skybox, permitted by EVP Cody Rhodes, because keep in mind, regardless of this possession, he's still a high-ranking member of the company. He has a lot of power in AEW. So with it, we have our own little custom box up in the kind of like sky dome area for malachi black and cody Rhodes, in which they watch on from dynamite rampage elevation and even dark scouting members of their group this starts out on a very quick showcase match for the dark order an episode of dynamite it's an eight-man tag with dark order Luther, serpentico and the butcher and the blade during which all of these regular spots. Luther begins chucking around to Pentaco. Butcher and Blade begin just like doing their typical offense up until the House of Black makes its entrance, allowing just enough of a distraction as, you know, the Dark Order, friends of Hangman Page, believe they could be doing something to them to be quickly beaten up by the Butcher and the Blade, Serpentico and Luther, as it looks like Serpentico is about to get the pin. Luther chucks a Pentaco out and gets the pin. That sounds a bit complicated, so just to elaborate, Luther gets the pin by essentially stealing it from Sir Pentaco. That's all I'm trying to say. And with it, Cody and Malachi make their entrance to the ring as they're all four of them are celebrating. He stares down all four men. And with it, Malachi looks to Cody. He gives him a gesture. And they both immediately tack the Butcher and the Blade, knocking them out. And with it, Malachi grabs a microphone and he says, You have been punished. You have been forsaken. And one of you 
will be forgiven. One of you is destined for greatness. One of you is destined for sorrow. One of you is an acolyte. And with it immediately, Malachi begins to elaborate. One who has suffered under the corporate banner, punished for doing the right thing. The House of Black welcomes those of potential purity and those willing to fade to black to uncover the light. Who among you is willing? Luther immediately shoves Sir Pentacle out of the way and begs him. He begs himself to be part of this thing because this feels like it's made for Luther, right? No! Malachi knocks him out almost immediately as Sir Pentacle quickly cows back into a corner as Cody slowly approaches him. And he simply holds out his hand to Serpentico. Serpentico, kind of not trusting it after having so many months and months of being thrown around. He simply says to him, You are worthy. And he grabs Serpentico. They all leave, the lights fade and fade out. As now, Serpentico is a member of the House of Black. And now I know some people are going to be like, What? Why, why Serpentico? He's like one of those like very small guys on AEW Dark. Here's the thing though. If we take into the meaning behind the story of Malachi in like ancient scriptures of Bibles and stuff like that, you can see to an extent a parallel between Malachi Black's character and the character in question, a messenger brought on by a higher power of some sorts to examine how life has changed in Jerusalem. But in the extent for wrestling, it's kind of a look at the wrongdoings of people. The House of Black in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad group. It's just one with very specific ideals. And in this case, looking at people like Luther, at the court, he's kind of a bully, so Pentaco hasn't really done anything wrong. If you look at, say, the Butcher and the Blade, who I imagine people would assume immediately, off the look at them, would be members of their group. The Butcher and the Blade, at their beginning, are hired assassins. Guys who were paid off to do certain things. In a church-like atmosphere or aesthetic, to me that doesn't really make any sense. So Pentaco, on the other hand, is this completely vulnerable, arguably sympathetic guy who's been beaten up continually again and again and again and of all things would want and need divine intervention. Which in turn, under a very focused and loyal situation, can be manipulated upon. And as we'll see later, in certain bits of booking, make him more violent than his Master Luther could have ever been. So with that, so Pentago is added into the House of Black. We see his mask change to, like, complete darkness. We start to see some of those markings over his hand and his hands and his arm, kind of showing the spread of that. And for our little showcase matches that we get with Sir Pentago, he's immediately more violent than ever before. He's a bit like a pit bull. Even if he's knocked down... He keeps getting back up. It's almost like he doesn't feel pain. And this will come to sense as we get to the very next member of this group as Malachi begins battling with Dustin Rhodes. 
Justin Rose has a very quick showcase match with uh, a QT Marshall, for example, where Nick Camaroto and Aaron Solo are out at ringside to show support. And during this, Malachi Black makes an appearance. Dustin Rhodes is not going to make the same mistake as his brother Cody did. He continually focuses on QT Marshall. It's at this point that we see Cody Rhodes make his way there. And with it, Dustin Rhodes seems almost mesmerized. It's his, it's his younger brother, a guy who's gone to the dark side. And he knows how dark life can be, having gone through so many struggles in his own past life in WWE and all the other stuff with Black Rain, the history of drug, alcohol, and weight issues that have been with the Dustin Rhodes character. And with it, we see Cody begin to whisper something to Nick Camaroto, a former Nightmare Factory pupil and a member of the factory. And with it, Malachi stares down Dustin Rhodes. Aaron Solo is wondering, what the hell are you doing? Like, he's, he's our friend, what are you doing? He's not going to listen to you. And immediately, as it looks like Dustin Rhodes is about to pick up the win, and QT Marshall is begging for Aaron Solo and Nick Camaroto to interfere, Aaron Solo helps! But Nick Camaroto, he stays. Aaron Solo looks completely shocked and disarrayed. As Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black begin assaulting Dustin, Cody gestures to Nick Camaroto. And Nick Camaroto, almost looking like a man possessed, quickly wanders in. He stares at Cody, and he looks to Black, giving out his hand, saying, I forgive you, and I need you. Immediately assaults Dustin Rhodes, a la, you know, the old stuff with the history between him and Dustin Rhodes. He grabs the cowbell. He continually wails it on Dustin Rhodes in the build-up to Double or Nothing. And we have now Nick Camaroto in this stable. Some of you might be wondering why Nick Camaroto. It's a bit of an odd choice. But I think the faction kind of needs a big, heavy bruiser. Plus, he's mostly going to be paired with Serpentico as your new, like, big faction tag team for the group, which I think would be a very cool dynamic, because then you've just got Serpentico, who's willing to take anything, and also willing to, like, throw Nick Camaroto into things, whilst him just chucking him all over the place. You know, it's basic big man, little man psychology that, honestly, in this type of stable, could work quite well. So we get a little bit of a change to Nick Camaroto's look, we get a little bit more trimmed beard, we shave down a little bit of the caveman hair to make it look a little bit more sophisticated. And then, yeah, he's a member of the House of Black. So, remember how I said they were constantly watching matches, Malachi and Cody, to select who will be the ones to join them when the Divine Destroyer comes? Well, it's not all exclusive to men, is it? So, basically, throughout, you also see them in backstage segments, continually watching on from places, because remember... Cody is an EVP. He and Malachi essentially have power to go effing anywhere. So in some of these segments, you see them with various female talent. Your Anna Jays, your Ty Contes, your Hikaru Shidas, your Serena Deebs. And more importantly, a woman who we'll come to know to very soon, which will get to the pay-per-view right now, double or nothing. Jamie Hater. Yes. Jamie Hater, the 
British woman who does very nice lariats. I like her gear a lot. Yes. Another one that seems like a very odd choice, but hear me out here. Jamie Hayter. I feel like it's eventually going to turn on Britt Baker. Which I believe would happen at Double or Nothing. Because, uh, I think that kind of works quite nicely. But here's the thing with Jamie. There's a gradual change that I think we can use to explain the sudden transformation. So kind of like with Cody Rhodes, we've we've described in this story that his hair goes from like blonde to black. Well, Jamie Hayter has already been having that for at the past like three or four weeks of television. Where it was like fully blonde and it just went back to brown with only like blonde highlights. We can easily explain that as at near the end of Double or Nothing. When the faction is nearly completely formed. She wails on Britt Baker, complete lariat after having a successful title victory. You got a nice intermediate grudge story going on, which you build to the very next pay-per-view all out, which we'll get to in Act 3. So with that, we have our faction set up. The tag team of Sir Pentico and Nick Camarato. Cody going for the TNT title against Sammy Guevara, which he eventually wins. Malachi defeating every opponent in his path as that big blaring like piece of paint that keeps going over his face gets bigger and bigger. We're going to say it's almost at like three quarters at this point. Gets put around his face. He beats Dustin in like 10 seconds. We want to put him over strong because uh, he may or may not be going for the title soon. We'll talk about that later. And with it, we get to the main event of Double or Nothing. Cody's already won the TNT title. Dustin's been annihilated by Malachi Black. And Hangman, once again, stands foot as AEW World Champion. As from out of nowhere, the entire House of Black assaults Hangman Page. Jamie Hayter hits a lariat. So Pentico is chucked into him by Nick Camaroto. Nick Camaroto power slams him. Cody punches him in the face. All set up for Malachi to hit, I'm just going to say, a spinning heel kick. In which he grabs the microphone and says, The Divine Destroyer shall meet you at All Out Hangman. He drops it. Said and done. Message made, short and sweet. The House of Black is ready to take over. But some of you may be wondering as we head into Act 3. How on earth is a new tag team, a woman who, for the most part, doesn't get many victories as, you know... Britt Baker's sidekick and Malachi supposedly gonna get an AEW world title shot. Well, allow me to explain in Act 3. So with the House of Black pretty much fully assembled at this point in the build to All Out, some of you might be wondering how on earth are they gonna get title matches? You've got a new tag team, You've got Jamie Hayter, who hasn't really had much really going on. And you've got Malachi, who may or may not be going for the world title. Who knows? So, what happens is we get a series of vignettes and disputes with AEW management, where we see Cody Rhodes make his meeting. The crowd release the members of the board meeting go silent. As Cody quickly invites in all members of the House of Black in which he demands that because he is TNT champion and the executive vice president, that these people, because of their goal and passion for what they do, override the ranking system. They override 
the whole thing because they have grudges that go beyond rankings and go beyond the acts that all these other people are set to perform. They are here to provide a revolution that AEW has failed to produce. And in this, one of them says, oh, so Malachi is going for the world title and Malachi refuses. He says that it's not him, it's, it's gonna be their God. Some of you might immediately be thinking, God versus someone, that doesn't sound good, but hear me out. At All Out, it is going to be the Divine Destroyer, whoever that may be in the House of Black. It's going to be set to be revealed one month before All Out. That is the one condition that has been made in order to give this Divine Destroyer a shot at the AEW World Championship. And likewise, it's given Sir Pentico and Nick Camaroto a chance against the Lucha Brothers for the tag titles in a no-holds-barred match, as additional conditions have been met. With it, you've got a special grudge match being set up with Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. The story kind of writes itself. Britt Baker's one of the only real close friends that Jamie Hayter made until she became possessed and forced to be members of the House of Black. And Cody once again defending the TNT title against his brother, Dustin Rhodes in what should be a really violent match. In the background to this, we also have Hangman Adam Page and Brandy Rhodes having a negotiation whilst Hangman Page believes that whoever this Divine Destroyer has not earned the championship, he will gladly help out Brandy as Cody Rhodes was a very big part of his success before he got to AEW. Remember, back in the old Bullet Club days, Cody and Hangman Page did ride together when they were feuding with the Elite. That was a thing that happened. And Brandy is basically asking to return the favor, help his husband who's fallen off the wrong path find his way back. That is Hangman's eventual goal by defeating whoever this Divine Destroyer turns out to be. So the weeks go on and on and on till we finally get a big, huge exchange with promised to be and is advertised on AEW Dynamite is the official face-off between Hangman Page and the House of Black's Divine Destroyer, whoever that is. And with it, Hangman Page sits there. He's not really saying anything. He's tired of all the messages and all of the teasers that they've said. He just wants them to come out. And so immediately, the House of Black barring Malachi Black, descend to the ring. We see Cody Rhodes leading the charge as Jamie Hayter, Serpentico, and Nick Camaroto follow behind as they all flank Hangman Page. They all stand one corner to corner as the lights go out. The lights go out. We see Malachi on the Titantron. We see it almost in like a very old church tapestry that we've seen, you know, a bunch of stuff with the House of Black from, you know, Cody's baptism to maybe some of the other potential indoctrinations throughout the several months of television that the House of Black has began to form. But for some reason, there's a kind of a a bright light that pierces through the church and it begins showing a picture, it begins showing almost like a bit of film and it goes back to the old short film that we had with Malachi Black, The Devil Made Me Do It. And with it, we constantly see, you know, the now known Malachi Black on the screen with the chains over him. And we get constantly ringing through 
the words Tommy, 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 playing again and again and again. And with it, we cut to the final part where we see just the chains break off as the Divine Destroyer is quickly revealed. It's not Malachi Black. It's not some random debuting person. It's Tommy End himself. The lights return to normal and we see a person shrouded in these big white cloak and robes reveal himself to be Tommy End. No face paint covering his face, eyes completely colored in a shade of black, hit a black mass, knocking out Hangman Page as the group ascends to the ring and they all look at their divine destroyer. Tommy End, going there, simply touching the championship and leaving it on Hangman's corpse before the show All Out. Now, some of you might be wondering why, why on earth is it not somebody else specifically? Why is it Tommy End himself? Because wasn't the whole point of the devil made me do it be that he's been possessed by a demon? Well, here's the thing here. My my consensus of this is that Malachi is almost a filter of Tommy N's rage. A man who was forced to, in the short film, be trapped in this asylum for years upon years upon years in which he constantly fought people. Compared to Malachi, Tommy N's stuff was more reckless, rampant. Whereas Malachi's stuff was a lot more focused. Whereas Malachi degree to a degree had remorse for others. Tommy End has none of that. Malachi, in this case, is the extra edge to Tommy End. Malachi wasn't keeping, you know, his attacks repressed. He was making sure they didn't come out. And so as we get to our very specific show here, All Out, the stars begin to ironically align for a group called the House of Black. Jamie Hayter successfully wins the AEW Women's Championship despite all efforts from Britt Baker to retain. Sir Pentico and Nick Comrato in a shocker defeat the Lucha Brothers in a completely violent affair by risking to destroy and damage their manager, Alex Habrahantes. And Cody successfully retains the TNT Championship in another bloodfest of a match against Dustin Rhodes. And the Divine Destroyer, in the main event, makes his way to the ring, all cloaked in white, the inverse of, you know, the Titantron of Malachi Black, where it's in this kind of monochrome look. And Malachi is nowhere to be seen. Tommy End, the Divine Destroyer, makes his way. Almost an inverse color scheme, all in like white with shades of black in there. So he takes on Hangman Adam Page. With it, members of the House of Black all sit from corner to corner, watching as Tommy End attempts to bring on a new era of AEW. And with enough time, enough patience, and enough distraction from the House of Black, compounded with earlier issues with the Elite, 
Hangman Page succumbs to Tommy End. And with it, we bring upon a new era. An era fading to black. As all members of the faction hold up their championships, as Tommy End sits cross-legged, clutching the championship by his waist. As the lights go out and the show fades to black, that is how I would book the House of Black for part one, motherfuckers. Yes, because in case you did not see the title because it was really long, this is only part flippin' one. Because how can you have a rise of a faction and not show their eventual demise, am I right? <laughs> kind of pessimistic, but hey, I'm booking a group called the House of Black. Yes. So that's how I'd book the eventual rise. A bit rushed here and there, I'll say in the middle section, but all in all, bit of a different pick. And I think you've saved some room for some potential rises, considering it's a thing about gods and possession. It gives an extension to Malachi Black as being just kind of the thing that represses Tommy End. I think that's quite a cool thing that you can go with going forward. I've got more material for this that you will all hear about next week. <laughs> and with that all said and done, thank you all so much for listening. If you like this podcast and you've somehow got to this point, consider subscribing and sharing it with your friends and your friendliest friends. Because uh, next week, we're, we're going to be getting to the finale of this booking and might I say potential conflict for the House of Black. So, with that said, thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast in any other way, you can follow me on Twitter at Conan the Cooper, on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction, or even on TikTok at Wrestling With Fiction. We do, we do all of the flipping things here. So, with that out of the way, thank you all so much for listening. I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember, everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.